week we've got Brandon Hagen from the band Vundabar. Uh, Dylan, you just started checking these guys out. What'd you think? Well, this is another example of a, of a band that I was uh, turned on to by Eddie. He's seems to be a little more tuned into kind of current acts, which is something that I always uh, get behind on. Um, but yeah, I really loved it. Uh, I was listening this morning. They have a song. Uh, I think it's called I Wear Silk. Or, Tonight I'm wearing silk. Yeah, uh, and, and they had a little nod to Mission of Burma, which I thought was cool. Uh, they have a lyric. Uh, I think theirs is, that's when I reach for my dissolver. But the mm-hmm. original, uh, the Mission of Burma, Burma lyric is, that's when I reach for my revolver. Um, but I just you thought know, it was uh, a cool reference because the music isn't really super in line with Mission of Burma other than some of the grittier tracks, but it's cool. There's a lot of neat musical ideas they're pulling from with this project. Well, they're both from Boston. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that makes Um, perfect sense then. So it might have been a a nod to the scene as much as a nod to the music. Yeah, so uh, are these guys... What what age range are these guys in, do you know? Oh, they're younger guys. Okay, cool. Um, But they've put out a lot of albums, and it seems like they've been pretty much together since... uh, it seems like they've been together pretty much since like high school. Wow. Um, they've put out four records. The last two have been pretty big. But yeah, I mean, uh, it seems like, you know, from record to record, there's a lot of different uh, musical ideas that are coming up. Some of them, you know, made me think almost like a car seat headrest or something in that kind of uh, indie rock category. But, you know, some of it, there's a song called Voodoo I heard uh, that's like got this like swampy like uh john lee hooker kind of riff going on underneath it but in a not typical blues way it's kind of got like a psych rock vibe to it as well it's mm-hmm. cool man i like it a lot i did not know they were boston guys yeah yeah we we talked a little bit about that um in the interview he was talking about you know the kind of the ever-shifting boston landscape and what it means to be a band uh in a college town you know right. and what that means for the scene and stuff which i, I think we can you know, sympathize with here, um, with University of South Carolina and Columbia, South Carolina, where we're at. Yeah. Um, you know, you do have this this kind of turnover of art and music sometimes, um, which keeps the scene really interesting and stuff. But uh, sometimes it makes it a little bit harder for there to be a big kind of scene identity at any one given point. Right. Um, what? So what's the most recent record these guys put out? Uh, it's called Either Light. It just nice. came out. Probably two or three weeks ago. Nice. Well, for all you guys listening out there, if you're uh, if you're wanting to start, that might be a, a good starting point for those guys. Um, just to hear what they've been up to most recently. Um, but I say we let let the interview speak for itself and cut to it. Yep. Y'all enjoy. This is Brandon Hagen from Vundabar. Thanks, guys. So, Brandon from Vundabar, how are you doing today? I'm good. I went on a really long bike ride, a couple cups of coffee. Awesome. Uh, so, you're, you've got the day started already. Yeah. 
got a little too got a little overcooped in the last couple of days, so we've been doing really long bike rides. It happens. You gotta force yourself to be a little bit more disciplined and actually do stuff instead yeah. of just sitting on the couch all day. <laughs> Well, uh, we don't have to talk about coronavirus the whole time. I'm sure uh, you've thought enough about it um, in the past month. What I really wanted to talk about is the new album and uh, specifically some of the the lyrics and kind of your literary influences. I was wondering, uh, first off, um, who would you say your your favorite authors are? Um... Uh, I really like George Saunders. Awesome. He's great. I've been reading a lot of uh, Maggie Nelson lately. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've been reading a lot of uh, Jonathan Campa or George Camp. I'm going to check. Uh, Joseph Campo. What kind uh, of stuff does he write? I'm not familiar. So he he's a he's like a he specializes in myth. He he's a professor at Columbia, and um, but he doesn't specialize in in like one particular myth from one culture. He just a lot of his books are just about how most like the the purpose of myth and how most stories and myths kind of keep repeating themselves across cultures. So he, a lot of it's just about storytelling and about recurring images across. Um, yeah, I, I narratives. I, I remember who he is now that now that you said that he wrote. Uh, I think it's called like the Power of Myth. Yeah, is that right? yeah, he did that one. I finished that one, and now I'm on to like another one. But yeah, most of his writings like fall within a similar realm of just kind of unpackaging that. Yeah, kind of like a, there's like some human characteristic that causes us all to kind of tell stories in the same way. Yeah, and, yeah, and reoccurring symbols and... Mm-hmm. The the hero's journey and all that. Exactly. But yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I love uh, Saunders too. Um, I read Pastoralia back in the day, and then just recently read uh, 10th of December, which was kind of yeah. mind-blowing. Yeah, it's so good. Um, I just like short stories, you know, like, I feel like they're helpful as a songwriter because it's, it just needs to be, you know, sort of compacted into the most essential parts and you have to, you don't have a hundred pages to develop. You have, you know, with the song, you have three minutes with a short story, you have maybe five to 20 pages. So, um, yeah, I, I think especially with Saunders, uh, he doesn't really have any exposition. Typically, you're dropped in the middle of a story with like no context, and it's kind of yeah. up to you to to even figure out like what the language that they're using kind of means. Uh, right. So I could definitely see that being an influence uh, in some of the Vundabar stuff, where really? you're kind of launched into this world without a, you know, Bob Dylan esque. Uh, you know, here, here are the characters, here's who they're related to, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. You sort of have to like get up to speed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I just love, like, I feel like a lot of his stories are, they're like sort of really cruel and funny, but there's like a lot of, you know, it's like 
a cruel world and then there's there's hopeful characters or i don't know there's like there's some aspect of redemption in, in like situations that are generally like very bleak absolutely um, there's like yeah and i just i found myself like i like him too because i found myself like reading certain authors and i was like this is because i like i like dark books i like dark writing i like but i was just like i just need like a little sliver of light you know what i mean <laughs> and I, I feel like he gives you that you know um I actually wrote down uh, under the author's question um, that uh, some of your lyrical content kind of reminded me of David Foster Wallace. Uh, okay. Which is like a similar sort of thing. Um, you know, he's kind of like sarcastic, but he's also always a little bit sincere. So it's not, his characters are never, you know, just punching bags. Like even if yeah. they're tragic and stupid, uh, you know, there's something human about them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, makes me think of uh, Ooh La La, that, that song from a couple of records back of yours. It says, uh, nothing really hurts when everything's a joke. Kind of like if you have that like half sarcastic, half sincere lens, you can process some more stuff. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I think that's like the thing with ironies. It's just, I think a certain level of detachment can be healthy but irony i think it can go too far too where it just becomes this like sort of caustic not really engage <laughs> yeah yeah it's almost it's almost too easy to just assume that people are terrible and evil yeah totally and that you know like i don't know irony can be funny it can be a good tool i think for writing but it can also be like a i think it can be a pop out too yeah um I think maybe a, a good example of that from uh, Smell Smoke would be uh, A Man Loses His Hat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is, uh, honestly, one, one of the funniest songs I've ever heard in, in terms of listening to for the first time and actually laughing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's kind of a, it's humorous and it's ironic, but I think everybody can see a little bit of themselves in that character too. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean... That's the th I feel like that one, it's like, it's kind of like poking at the absurdity of like the way people, the way like we form identity and how fragile those identities are. And when they shatter, then the sort of momentary, you know, devastation of like, well, then if I'm not a, if I don't have a hat on, <laughs> if like. My entire life I've been man with hat and I no longer have hat, then what am I? Um, but Yeah, I always said if you want to start wearing a weird hat, you have to move to a new city. <laughs> start over. Pack it up. Yeah, that's true. I feel like you can't just can't not be a hat guy and then all of a sudden show up with a with a fedora, you know? Mm -hmm. You have come in the Dover Fedora, man. Yeah, I I saw um, y'all had put out a, a few music videos for this new album. Yeah, uh, what what was your your costuming choices on that? We were like trying so petty crime. We did somewhere between like criminal and 
failing businessman. <laughs> uh, I think that's the look we were channeling. Um, yeah, we just found some really big running shoes, some chains, or some uh, big old watches, and uh, undershirts, and LA Looks hair gel, $2 hair gel, goes a long way. <laughs> that was the whole budget. But it, it was fun. that video was funny, because we, we shot it ourselves, and we, we spent the night in a motel to get all the motel shots. And we just, like, scared people. <laughs> we didn't scare people, but we just looked like that. And uh, we looked like that, and we're skulking around a motel at 3 in the morning. We made these two kids. I think there was, like, there was like a business meeting in town, and there were these people that were a part of, uh, part of the meeting. And we're waiting at the elevator. They come up to us, and they literally go, <gasps> and they turned around and ran away. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Was that kind of a, a conscious effort to not have to do the whole like costume department thing and all that for for the video? Like bring it back oh. to like this idea of identity and of course you have a second layer of identity as like your music persona. I think uh more than anything it was just we wanted to for at least one of them just do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, yeah, there's sort of, like, with the, the clothes that we chose for that video, you know, there's sort of, like, certain connotations um, that we wanted to, like, evoke, I guess, in the viewer, uh, and feelings or associations that were just tying into some of the themes of the record. But, you know, we were also just making a fairly low-budget video. <laughs> Yeah, that's fun too. Uh, yeah, what what record label released the new album? Um, so we released it on our own record label, awesome. Doc Record, but we we had it distributed. We signed a distribution deal with uh, Run for a Cover. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was wondering if uh, your record label gave you kind of free reign for the music videos, but I guess you can give yourself free reign in that case. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah, we, we, I just really enjoy making them ourselves. So, mm-hmm. uh, we generally like to do that or have one or two friends that make videos that we try to stick with for the most part. So it can just get, I don't know. I feel like the video world is so, there's so much more available capital that, like, we get approached by video people sometimes and be like, yeah, let's do a video, low budget. And, like, low budget for them is, like, $10,000. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, I feel like we would make a pretty good video and not spend $10,000. So, let's let's just get a camera and do it ourselves. Um, so, yeah, you just have, you have to find people who are, like, willing to get creative and try to do the best video you can do without running up an insane bill, um, which I get. There's a lot of aspects to, like, video production, but at the same time, you know. Mm-hmm. Did y'all make that in uh, Boston, where you're from? Yeah, it was in Boston, and then we went to Hull, which is, like, this old boardwalk town south of Boston. 
and then we we were in a motel in Hadley, Massachusetts, which is out west. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, do you feel pretty connected to the the Boston music scene? Um, I feel like since we started touring a lot, uh, they're just like there's. I feel like they're once we become a. Uh, once you're just on the road all the time, I think there's like this, this splitting point where you just you're gone so much you sort of lose touch with what's happening. And it, I feel like also with Boston, so much of it is like hinged around college that you tend to sort of like age out a little bit pretty quickly. I mean, I, I know what's going on a little bit, but I think for me, like my, or for us, like our, the height of our involvement in like the DIY scene was when we were like 16 to 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. A lot of bands leave Boston, too. It sort of resets every three or four years. Yeah, because everybody's graduating. and Yeah. And the cost of living is so crazy. I think if you stay in a band and it sort of picks up, you just have to... You're going to want to find somewhere that's more hospitable to uh, being an artist. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you got some uh, some famous people coming out of there um, back in the day. I, I was thinking about some some good Boston bands. Uh, you know, of course, Pixies, and uh, I know Amanda Palmer has kind of <laughs> made oh, yeah. some some Boston specific music and art and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. The, I guess the eighties in Boston. Everyone talks about it, and it's like it was hot. The Rat. And yeah, Del Fuegos and Dogmatics, Mention of Burma. Mm-hmm. It's strange. I feel like it's it's just a very different city. From, and Jonathan Richmond too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it it was a music town, and it sort of shifted. I feel like in recent years, just with the the way it's developed. Yeah, just all that that coastal real estate Back. market and everything. Yeah, that's hard. Well, um, I wanted to talk a little bit more um, about some of the, some of the lyrics on the new album. If you sure. got some time, um, do you, when, you know, most of these songs sound very personal, um, but do they, especially on the, the new one, they kind of touch on a whole lot of a broad spectrum of topics. Um, are these about like people, you know, typically, or do you view yourself more of like a fiction writer where it's kind of, you know, conjured ideas of people? They're all, I would say they start, you know, the kernel is in something autobiographical and then I'll try to take it away from there using metaphor and imagery. So it's not not a journal entry you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Um, but no yeah most of it is or the characters are definitely inspired by people in my life or experiences um most of the time almost all the time i would say Mm -hmm. a lot of her stealing going on (laughs) uh 
Well, you know, I mean, like I said, I'll, I'll start in like a, I guess like that song is more about, you know, trying to undo something or trying to reverse something uh, that you can't. <laughs> so I get, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's about like a, a futile attempt at trying to stop something from happening. Um, yeah. It's got kind of a, a Kerouac vibe to it. Yeah. Like let's, let's commit some petty crimes and, you know, <laughs> escape a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, that one was inspired. I just, someone in my life has, he has some problems with mental health and, uh, he's sort of in a state and he left a restaurant without paying and he was kind of out there at the time and the cops approached him and didn't know how to approach him. Um, or deal with someone who's like a little like, um, and they ended up beating him up, throwing him in jail. And I was just like, well, um, but yeah, it's, I guess it's sort of like trying to figure out how to, or not even how to do, but just wanting certain things not to happen, but really not having any agency in changing things. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it kind of speaks to a, a question of, you know, how do you get that person help if their, you know, theoretical help is going to end up hurting them? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's also, and like the last record touches on this, but it's just like the avenues to getting help or recovering or whatever it is, they're just not they're not made available to so many people or they're incredibly expensive or they're tied up in a bureaucratic system that's slow and clunky and privatized and for profit. And, um, it just, it's weird. <laughs> it yeah. Sort of cool. Especially since mental health hasn't really been considered health care until, you know, the last couple decades. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, who knows what will happen with all this corona stuff, but I just think it's putting it's putting our healthcare system on blast. And I mean, even like one of the biggest manufacturers of masks is the, the distribution of those is held up because they're negotiating prices with the government. And it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, it just shows that the profit motive always comes first. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Price for most people, it's a good business day for a couple of people. Yeah. But I got off, I got off track there a little bit. <laughs> no, I, I, no I, I know exactly what you mean. I was about to run down that rabbit hole for a while. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So another thing I was wondering about is uh, if you practice any kind of like meditation or anything like that. I, cause I can see like occasional glimpses of some sort of like maybe less esoteric, like Buddhist kind of practices in some of the music. Yeah. Um, I mean, I got really into like Taoism and the Tao Te Ching. Mm -hmm. Um, 
a couple years ago and like have kept that thread alive and still read um yeah some buddhist philosophy and writings and have meditated this year um I try to do like walking meditation sometimes but yeah it's definitely in there and I you know I think that's something where like the principle of like there's just a sense of humor to it you know that I appreciate in Taoism um and this sort of like uh, acknowledgement of dualities I don't you know there's like there's tension there but this sort of idea of like relaxing instead you know like non-resistance to the realities of those opposites um and like letting go i actually wrote down this quote somewhere um <clears throat> so wax face the last song on the album uh mm-hmm. basically the first half of the lyrics are about a candle drowning itself you know it gets too hot melts too much wax drowns itself but then it ends with uh the sun's coming and that's something that seems reflective of that that kind of duality that you're talking about totally totally and it's i don't know you know i I feel like a lot of this album is sort of about just wanting to like move past uh, a lot of you know darkness and like was a pretty difficult period um and yeah i don't know you know yeah it's sort of a sentiment of like yeah it's bad it's bad it's bad and then it gets better which it, you know, and it's like, it's sort of that thing of, again, it's, which is like, I think ties in with Taoism a bit. It's just like being able to suffer with grace, you know, not play into it too much and be like, yep, this is happening, but fighting it will make it so much worse. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Everyone to, leave it we wanted to end it on a high note you know i think i think with this album we want it to be more balanced less like more push and pull you know mm-hmm. a little sliver light at the end i know what you mean yeah in <laughs> in uh montage music uh go going with the the taoism kind of thing it seems like there's a lot of kind of playful like religious references uh, yeah, in a, in a very interesting space um, in music where most religious references are either explicitly anti-religious or explicitly pro-religious, and right. you seem to be kind of having fun with some kind of like the holiness of the everyday kind of concepts. Totally. Uh, is that kind of influenced by that, or is that more? Were you raised in a like organized religious house or anything like that? So, I mean, I. My family went to church a lot. My mom's family was Catholic, but I grew up in a, a really, really Catholic town. So I was sort of, it was in the periphery all the time. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't as engaged in it. Or the, my town is the most Irish town in the country. And, you know, by a proxy, the most Catholic town. Um, so it was everywhere. Um, so, you know, I think the imagery, I don't know. I just, I think it's a, again, it's like back to myth and faith systems. And I feel, you know, I think in that song, it's this thing of, uh, for a lot of people, like religion has sort of 
been phased out as a reasonable explanation for how to live your life, why your life is the way it is, and why the world is the way it is. So it's like, you know, I guess it's it's this thing of like who are our who and what are like modern myths, um, and it compares it to like or like idols or just like demigods, I guess. Um, and I guess without trying to get too snooty, it's not trying to tear these things down, but it's just like, you know, like we worship celebrities and like we worship actors and actresses and it's like talking about Christ and then it's talking about how sexy this actor looks while he like leans and smokes a cigarette. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it is, I feel, you know, like television and actors and books, I mean, which I don't think is a bad thing. The, the hope is that it's telling you, <laughs> you know, I feel like good, good art is uh, pointing you to maybe better ways of living your life or seeing things or considering things, whereas like vacuous art is sort of just making you self-conscious and insecure so you want more of it <laughs> there's i don't know there it's just like this weird i guess and that's part of that song too it's this weird like push and pull of like a lot of media i think like you know certain television writing it can like simultaneously validate you while further tearing you down so you need more of it <laughs> um and it, that's that thing of Christ. It's like looking, you turn to it for redemption. You turn to it for like saving. I don't know. No, I, I know exactly what you're saying. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. So uh, with, you know, y'all's release of the new record, um, I'm sure, you know, all the tour dates are being pushed back and stuff. Uh, what are your immediate plans? Um... So we, we are, I mean, Drew and I live together, so we've been working on, we've been working on some like alternate versions of some of the songs um, that we're going to put out eventually, hopefully in the next couple weeks. Um, I've just been trying to, you know, we're locked down here, but we I've just been trying to play every day and I think we want to move into the next record pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I've been trying to get refocused in terms of writing um, and, and sort of, I don't know, I feel, I feel like I'm someone, I don't know, I need to write a lot to figure out what I need to write about, you know? Yeah. Um, like, I'm not, I don't have an idea of like, just, I gotta get this off my chest and then, I write, I write, and then it comes out. Um, and then that's where the images and, like, themes come from and ideas. Um, so I just have to get that started again because I've sort of been neglecting it. It was weird. We were, we were just, we were prepared to sort of, you sort of shift mindsets where you're writing and you're thinking about ideas and compositions. And then you go on the road and it's it's just so vastly different and we were we were literally i think two days away from leaving or something when everything got shut down so just trying to readjust but we will 
ideally we'll be out in uh, July and August. Things, you know, are looking good. And uh, we'll be hitting Europe and Australia this fall. And then do another loop of the States. But Yeah, that'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to get back out. So I, I didn't realize that you and Drew live together. That's super cool. Do y'all um do y'all do a lot of kind of jamming uh together for the for the music writing aspect of the composition? Or is it more of kind of you come up with, you know, half worked out ideas and then start playing them together? So sort of half and half. Um sometimes I'll bring ideas and then we'll build and develop those ideas and sort of tighten them up. And then other times it just depends on how much free time we have too. but other times we'll just start playing and like messing around and things will come out of that. Um, but yeah, there's, there's an endless supply of uh, voice memos (laughs) that get rooted through. Um, yeah, it's a mix. And then recently too, we've been doing a lot of like, just rec- just out the gate, just start recording into Logic, which I like a lot because it's um, it's just a different things happen, and uh, it's it's a lot more focused on like composition, you know, because you you can't just like doodle forever. Yeah, yeah, you the have to have some kind of format. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's been fun, and it's something different for us, but. And but yeah, it's a mix. Do you typically have uh, like lyrical ideas written and then try and fit them to a song, or do you kind of write the lyrics along with the song? Uh, so I'll I just like will jot like phrases. I'll get little phrases here and there, and I'll jot those down or expand them into like I guess poems or passages. Um, and then. I won't, I usually won't start a song using those, but, and a lot, you know, I I get like stuck on a couple images for a certain period of time. So I'll borrow from those and maybe take a line Mm -hmm. of things from that's a zinger. Um, So yeah, again, it's like, it's sort of like patchworking it together. Um, I would say, yeah, I'd start the song from basically when I'm sitting down writing it and then I'll supplement it with ideas I have uh, that are lying around. Cool. Uh, yeah. And uh, you and Drew have been the, the the founding members the whole time. Drew is with you from the beginning. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Anybody else that's uh, kind of been a solid cast member? Yeah. So Zach, Zach Abramo, um also plays in crag mask um he he was there for a lot of the beginning of the band and did a lot of our early touring with us um and then we sort of had a rotating cast and then zach came back about a year and a half ago or two years ago now um which has been great but yeah i i hope this is more permanent it's been like i mean it's just a thing of like things come up people have lives and it's 
sometimes people have to go and come back. And so it's sort of the way it, the way the lineups have panned out, we sort of have chosen to be a duo as like a writing team, I guess, or in terms of recording and building out records. And then as a live band, we, we approach it more of as a three piece, which causes a lot of confusion. <laughs> I thought you were two, but there is a third person. <laughs> but yeah, Zach, Zach also had a big hand in either light. Um, played on a lot of it, did some singing. Well, cool. I don't want to keep you too long today. I don't know if y'all got band practice or anything going on later. Oh, what am I do? I have a phone call about uh, the state of live music. <laughs> so hopefully that is a uplifting phone call and not a demoralizing one. Sounds good. Yeah. Is, is that with your like booking agency or is that more like an interview? Oh, uh, word. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just got to figure out what we're doing. <laughs> um, where are you based out of? Oh, I'm in Columbia, South Carolina. Oh, nice. Yep. So we are also currently in lockdown. But, of course, being from the South, uh, our governor was one of the last people to do it. So. <laughs> yep. What can you do? Stay inside. Yeah. Stay inside. <laughs> doing my duty <laughs> but yeah yeah thanks for having me it was great yeah thanks for the interview it was great chatting with you uh either light is awesome i i really enjoyed it so hopefully y'all will be able to get back on the road i i know y'all were gonna play in raleigh which isn't too far from me so hopefully when y'all are rescheduling some dates i'll get to come see you guys this this time around yeah come up awesome sounds good brandon it was awesome talking with you yeah, I think. Have a good one. Bye. Cheers. Bye. All right, you want to throw some tags on there? This has been a Comfort Monk production. <laughs> <laughs>